Welcome to Our Lord's Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit OLCC.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at OLCCOKC. So we've been looking at the fact that we're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Last week we looked at, if you'll put that slide up there, we looked at being a community of formation. The idea, as Paul says in Galatians 4.19, that God is determined to form Christ in every believer, from the youngest to the oldest. And so we looked at that. What is formation? How does it happen? It's the grace of God. God's determined to see Christ formed, the character of Jesus formed in all of his sons and daughters. And the week before that, we looked at being a community of worship, the idea that we live a life of worship and that all of it is for God. And today we're going to look at mission. And we're going to be looking through a number of scriptures. You can have your Bible ready. We have pew Bibles there if you want to Grab one of those. You can look it up on your phone. And as I've been explaining, I'm going to increasingly rely on you rather than slides so that you can get more and more accustomed to where these texts are in the Bible. We're an army of love and an army of the word, aren't we? So we want to have our familiarity with the Bible definitely stoked. I want to say, too, as we look at this idea of being on mission together, um, there is nothing that comes close to friendship with Jesus and serving on mission with him. There's nothing. Would you agree, church? There is nothing. And some of us lived lives and explored all kinds of things that the world offers before we met Jesus, and there is nothing. There's no amount of money, no amount of drugs and ecstasy, no amount of sexual pleasure, no amount of fame, none of that. All of that pales in comparison to being in relationship with the person of Jesus and being on mission with him. Would you agree? So as we look at that today, we just remind ourselves that this, the mission of God and Jesus, is the most interesting, worthy cause on the whole planet. And so you young people try to speak to you regularly, this is worth giving your entire life to, to give yourself body, soul, and spirit to what we're going to be talking about today together. It's the most interesting thing going on in human history and on the planet. Today, simply, we're going to look at two questions. We're going to explore two things, and the first is what is the mission of God and Christ And then secondly, flowing out of that, we're going to look at what is our role in this mission. And unfortunately, a lot of times we don't talk about the mission of God. And so I really want us, we're going to spend most of the time talking about that, that the God of the Bible, the God and Father of Jesus is on mission. And it's the great mission of God, the great mission of God. And it's the reason we're here. It's the reason that we'll be here, that we'll endure all things. It's the reason we'll be with him forever and take as many people as we can with us. 
the unstoppable mission of God. It's the reason we plant churches. We planted a church in Guam because we're church planting experts, right? No? Because we're connected to God, and God expands his kingdom, and one of the ways he does it is through planting churches, establishing new churches, especially in places where he wants to establish a kingdom beachhead. So we just look forward to to more of that happening and all of it flows out of the mission of God. So there's many facets to the mission of God, as you'll see. And we could take weeks to talk about the mission of God in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And what we're going to find is even as you hear these verses, even as you hear some of the things that I'm highlighting, it shakes us up. It shakes us free from trivial things. And so I hope this morning that you're inspired, that you're shaken up a little bit, that you're emboldened, and that you say, that is actually what I want to give my life to afresh. That, the mission of God. And I'm going to take some of these things and move quickly. I'm not even going to have us turn there, but I just want to start off. What is the mission of God and Christ? What is this mission? And it's, the first one's found in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. The beginning of the story, we find God determining to multiply his image bearers and fill the earth with his glory. And God creates man and woman. I got to read it. It's so hard for me to skip over anything. So let, let's look at this in the context. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And again, this is the creation narrative, the creation story. But tucked in it is the mission of God. It's the preface to the whole biblical narrative. It's the foreword to the rest of the story that's outlined. So Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Some people would wonder, why is it our? Why is it plural? Some of the early church fathers said that it was the plurality of the Trinity. It's kind of suggesting that. Others say that it's because God is in his holy assembly, his holy council. And so he's speaking and he's summoning them to participate in his divine act. So let them have dominion over the flesh, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So the Lord, in his grace, in his sovereignty, in his power, creates human beings and imprints on them the image of himself and says, you are going to bear my image and likeness and you're going to multiply and you're going to fill the earth and in right relationship with me, my glory will flow through you. It's astounding to think from the very first chapter that human beings, and this became fallen human beings, broken human beings, that God is still working through those who bear his image and likeness. A second thing that speaks to the mission of God 
It's found in Genesis 12. It's continuing to build on this, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The mission of God is to multiply his people and to bless all the nations through them. So stemming from Genesis 1 now, 11 chapters later, God is working out this story, the greatest story in human history, his mission, and he chooses Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go away from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here is God building on that theme. He chose two image bearers, Abram and Sarah, later Abraham, and he, they were unlikely candidates, as we know, as the story explains. She couldn't even have children, and the Lord said, I'm choosing you so that my glory can be displayed, and I'm going to multiply you. You're nobodies right now. You're nomadic people, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. A third thing that speaks to the mission of God, look at Psalm 2. Psalm 2, and again, my intention is for us to work through some of these key passages so that you can take them and pray into them. Maybe you can do this with someone else, a friend, a spouse, a young person, a new believer, and you can pray and talk and read passages about the mission of God that you're a part of. Psalm 2. 1 to 8. And we're going to see here that God is determined to give the nations as an inheritance to his son, the messianic king, Jesus. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will give the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. So God is speaking through this prophetic psalm, speaking through David, through his kingship, and saying there's a greater king that's coming. I will install him. I will appoint him as king, and I will give him all the nations as his inheritance. Friends, it's amazing. It's written right here. The Lord prophesied it, and the Lord is working it out. All the nations belong to Jesus. That's astounding. I think if that gets in our bloodstream a little bit, we realize, oh, you know what? Muslims in the 1040 window, they belong to Jesus. And the Father has chosen 
people within those people groups to come to his son. He owns the Middle East. He turns to Europe. The Lord says, I own Europe. There are people there that I'm choosing, that I'm calling, and they will come to me. The Lord looks at the United States of America and says, there are people here that are the inheritance of my son. His blood was shed for them. I will have them. The son will receive the inheritance as the messianic king. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is the mission of God laid out in the Bible. Luke and Caden already read Psalm 67, 1 through 7, but you can look there quickly. I'm just going to point out a couple parts of Luke six, uh, Psalm 67. Thank you to Luke and Caden, by the way, for reading. Verse 2 in Psalm 67 says, That your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the, all the peoples praise you. Let all the ends of the earth revere you. So in this Psalm 67, we're seeing that it is the mission of God to reveal his saving power among all the nations. And they in turn praise and revere him. Friends, this is where human history is headed. All of the nations being impacted. And if you think about it, what we've seen in recent history, especially the last 60 years, we are seeing the nations come to Christ in ways never before. Now in the West, it looks pretty dire, doesn't it? What's happening here in the West, in Europe, and America is rough, but I'm telling you, Africa is on fire with the gospel. The entire Asian world on fire with the gospel. Latin America on fire with the gospel. There is worldwide revival happening right now on our watch. And so we have to remind ourselves, yes, the West matters. America matters. Lord, bring revival. Have mercy on our country. But meanwhile, the Lord has broken through into countries where there has been a lead curtain to the gospel. And the Lord is bringing the gospel, Matthew 24, 14, to these nations. Friends, it's during our lifetime. It's amazing, the mission of God. And again, young people, this is the story you want to learn, you want to immerse yourself in, spend time with Jesus every day, learn the mission of God on this note, Jake went to World Mandate a few weeks ago in Waco at Antioch Church, and Jake came home on fire. And he was saying to Amanda and me in the kitchen, God has amazing plans for my generation. And I said, that's right, brother. He does. Bring it. Jake is right. God is at work in the teenagers today. Teenagers, God is at work in you, and God has unbelievable plans for you. And so you want to throw everything in. You want to give yourself to the mission of God, and he will fill you with holy fire and make sure that you're part of it. We're going to talk about this. That doesn't necessarily mean that you get on a plane and fly to South Africa like Jack Kilman did. Some of you might do that, but all of us are missionaries. All of you teenagers who are followers of Jesus are missionaries. And so it's not a question of, will I go? Will I serve as a missionary? No, it's where will the Lord lead you? You're a missionary at school, right? Luke, Caden, is that right? 
missionary at school, missionary at work, missionary wherever the Lord has you planted. A fifth aspect of God's mission, this is found in Psalm 110.1, we're not going to spend time on it, but I just want you to see in God's holy determination what he's resolved to do. Psalm 110.1 says that God will make his enemies a footstool beneath the feet of the Messiah. So God looks at human history, looks at the life, death, and resurrection, the ascension of his son, and says, I'm going to make your spiritual enemies a footstool underneath your feet. Jesus is Lord, and he will rule and reign even over his spiritual enemies. Friends, the early church, the apostles, they interpreted Psalm 110.1 as happening in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We are people who get to witness this happen, even when we pray for other people. Even when we drive demons out and address evil forces, we can remind ourselves in Jesus, we have authority over all darkness, over all demons. They tremble before us because of the power of the name of Jesus. And we can remind the entire spiritual realm, you will be a footstool beneath the feet of Jesus. And we're his servants here too. Make sure that that is realized. A sixth thing here. The Lord's mission involves restoring Israel and bringing light and salvation to the end of the earth. Isaiah 49, 5-6. I'm just going to let you know this passage is about God through messianic King Jesus is actually going to bring some kind of spiritual awakening and remove the veil from Israel and bring them to Jesus. There's going to be, as Paul says in Romans 9 to 11, a revival, a spiritual awakening, a turning of the people of Israel to God in Christ. And Isaiah 49 talks about this, but then Isaiah 49, five through six says that it's not enough that that would happen but I'm going to see that my Messiah, my servant, is given as a light to the nations, not just the nation of Israel, but to all nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Friends, this is a thorough, comprehensive mission that God has determined to work out. A seventh thing, quickly here, look at Habakkuk 2.14, and most of us will have to Look at the table of contents. Where in the world is Habakkuk? Some of you may have been reading Habakkuk this morning. Just kidding. Often overlooked minor prophet, but this is a rich promise about the mission of God. Habakkuk 2.14. Again, think the great mission of God when you hear this. But the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I'm going to read that again. Sam, that's good, isn't it? But the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the earth is like a seabed and the glory of God is like a massive ocean that will fill the entire seabed. That's the word picture here. 
the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Friends, this will brighten your day. If you're having a bad day, the mission of God can lift your spirits. This is what you're a part of. This is part of your heritage. An eighth thing here. Revelation 7, 9 to 10, and I warned you, we kind of fasten the seatbelts because we're going quickly here, but Revelation 7, 9 to 10, got to read this. God's mission is to redeem human beings from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. This is John. We're more familiar with this because we spent some good time in Revelation. Verse 9, after this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands and they cry out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So it is God's mission to redeem human beings from certain tribes. Is that what your text says? Not certain. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And we've been talking about here, we want this local church to illustrate that. And so we're praying, Lord, would you bring divine diversity, not that of man or woman, but bring your divine diversity. It's in your heart. You came up with that idea that people from all different strata, all different walks of life, all different skin colors, all different languages would come and worship together. And we're believing for that, a little foretaste of heaven in our coming days here. Ninthly, and I've got 10 here, and then we're going to switch over and do this. I, Man, it's tough to even stop with that. But the ninth thing is that God is determined to rule over the kingdoms of the world through Christ. Revelation eleven fifteen, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Daniel 2 talked about this. But friends, God the Father, God the Son, through the power of God the Holy Spirit, will rule over all the kingdoms, all the political empires. Just as we sang this morning, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and we're moving toward that day, and Christ will rule over all the kingdoms of the world. The last one, Revelation 21, 1 to 4, we're not going to look at it, but the way this story ends, God dwells among his people forever. That is part of the mission of God. All the stuff that we've seen from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, the whole story God has in his heart, I will come and dwell among my people forever. Just like it started with the garden and where people turned away in shame and sin, I will restore, I will renew, I will recreate, and then I will come and indwell. I will dwell in the midst of my people forever. There'll be no more death. Friends, this is an amazing mission, isn't it? Can I get an amen? That is a glorious mission. Now, very quickly here, I just want to lay out what is our role. And friends, it's pretty simple. I think that 
missiologists, those who study missions and look at the technical ins and outs of reaching certain people groups. We appreciate all of that, but it really is a simple role that we play. And I just want to describe it in terms of the great commandment and the great commission. That is our role. That says everything we need to know about our role, our place in the mission of God. Mark 12, 28 through 31, look at this very quickly here. Some of us are familiar with it, the great commandment. So we've seen the great mission of God to do all that stuff that we just looked at. Filling the earth with his glory, inhabiting his people, driving the power of death out. And now we see what is our simple basic role. Mark 12, 28 through 31, known as the great commandment. One of the scribes comes near and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well. That's Jesus. These scribes are like gnats always around him, bothering him with questions. He asked him, Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. At verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's interesting, all the elements of our mission statement are contained in those verses right there. The idea of community, Israel, the people of God. Hear, O Israel, hear, community of God. Worship. Love for the Lord. Formation and mission, both loving our neighbor. It's all there in those verses. And Jesus says that. He said all of the commandments, all that the law and the prophets have said hangs on these two things. Friends, part of being on mission with Jesus means that we give ourselves to this. How easy is this to love God with all your being? That's tough. It's challenging. How easy is it to love your neighbor as yourself? It's difficult. I like to tell people this is a lifelong project. It doesn't just come in a year or 10 years. This is the project we work on until the day we die. Love for the Lord and love for our neighbor. And the Lord is transforming us from one degree of glory to another and working this into our being so that we're people of love. And this sets us on fire right here for mission. So we can be thinking about this. Lord, what does it mean for me to be a missional person? For me to be on mission with you? And Jesus says to us, how's it going with loving the Lord? How's it going with loving your neighbor? It's a big part of it. It's not just about going out and planting churches and seeing the Lord conquer his enemies with the gospel. It's about this simple thing called love that we give ourselves to. Amanda and I were talking this week about this, the church's mission, and she made a good point. And I just want to throw this up here very quickly. It's practical. But she was making the point that every single Christian is called and empowered to serve with Jesus on mission wherever they are, and that sometimes we get it confused. Sometimes we think that only those who are doing the work of missions 
and sharing the gospel and doing evangelistic things, that is mission. And she was making the point, yes, those are part of being on mission with Jesus, but another aspect is that we help make disciples and bring them to full maturity. And so I mapped out up here, if you'll throw that slide up here very quickly, you can see some practical things, some examples. Yes, being on mission with Jesus involves going out, sharing the gospel, going out on outreach like David and Stephanie and their team does, serving the poor, praying for people in your sphere, in the world, mission trips, the other thing here. Other examples, though, of doing and being on mission with Jesus, praying for people, mentoring, leading a small group, even the idea of helping someone walk through inner healing and deliverance. So friends, the Lord has all kinds of options for us. It's not just a one-size-fits-all. The Lord Jesus is on mission, and if we will look to him, he will lead us in many different ways. What's John 5.19 saying? that we've been talking about. What does John 5.19 say? It's Jesus' kind of secret to his mission with the Father. I'm doing what the Father is doing. I'm looking, I'm, I'm doing only what I see the Father doing. So that's what we're asking. Father, what do you have for me? How do you want me to serve with you, with Christ on mission? A second thing here, along with the great commandment is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 21. This is something that we highlight every time we baptize someone. It's something that we talk about, something that Esther is going to be talking about next week when she is talking about some of our mission partners and some of the other missionary activity we're doing here locally. The Great Commission, we know those four words that are in there. Matthew 28, 16 to 21, Jesus says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen to these verbs. There's four of them. Part of your role, part of my role. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. Friends, simple as those things, going, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. One passage, I want you to write this down. You can look at it later, but Mark 16. It's Mark the gospel writer's account of the Great Commission. And sometimes we don't talk about it. We're not as familiar with this. But Mark 16, 14 through 18 says that along with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that signs and wonders will actually accompany the disciples and the believers as they're going and proclaiming the gospel to all of creation these signs will accompany the proclamation of the gospel. Casting out demons in Jesus' name. Speaking in new tongues. Being kept safe from deadly snakes. As Paul was in Acts 
when he was on the island of Malta. Fourthly, from drinking deadly poison. And fifthly, healing the sick. And I knew opening that up, many of you would wonder, that is really odd. I don't really hear much about Mark's longer ending. And so there's all kinds of dispute about Mark's longer ending. You can see it there in your Bible. But none of that contradicts the teachings of Scripture. It gets into ancient manuscripts and these kinds of things. But the point is we are commissioned and given authority by Jesus, just as the disciples were, the apostles were, to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. That's our heritage. That is our commission. And nothing can stop us. In the early church, they would poison Christians. That's what that text is speaking about. And they would basically say, renounce your faith or drink this vial. Poison you, just like they poisoned Socrates in ancient Greece. They said, shut up, Socrates. You are driving Greece crazy with your questions and your philosophizing. If you don't shut up, we're going to poison you. And he said, bring the poison. He said, I can't stop. Likewise, the early church said, we will not renounce Jesus. We'll drink deadly poison. And actually, it may kill us physically, but we go be with the Lord. We're unstoppable. We're the unstoppable people of the gospel. So friends, this is the mission of God and a little taste of our role Next week, Esther and her team are going to be talking about our missionary involvement. And this church has over 40 years of deep involvement with people all over the world. You'll be hearing more about that next week. And frankly, we believe that it's going to grow exponentially. We're hitched to Jesus and all the nations belong to him. So we have great expectations for what he has for us in the coming days.